Hello and welcome to the Sports Blitz. Coming up on today's show, football over the weekend sees Liverpool come back with a dud, the Sky Bundesliga shake-up and Josh Bully Matt. We talk about our favourite games. The NCAA are the next in line to power the pressure on Mississippi. We talk about the flag controversy, plus random fixture review, getting a new contract at 41 and the longest game of baseball that's opening up on Tuesday's Sports Blitz. And how are we all doing today? I hope your weekend was good. I hope you didn't spend it watching Leeds versus Cardiff like I did. Do you remember that time when I said that I would prefer to see the championship return no matter what, even if it meant Leeds not getting promoted over being promoted on a points per game basis? Yeah, be careful what you wish for. <sighs> we'll get into the Spy Bundesliga later, but them games were absolutely incredible. And like I'll say later, if you can watch them online anywhere then absolutely do so apart from that my weekend was good obviously you can you can guess it was watching a lot of football i wrapped up my university radio york career it is now officially over this morning i went on oh sorry yesterday morning now i went on linkedin and ticked no longer working here and had to say finished in june 2020 so and then changed everything in the description to past tense so that was sad. I I really enjoyed it though, but yeah, it's just it's real. It's really weird to think it's now at an end, and yeah, it's it's just odd. And I, I I leave it with a lot of great memories. A lot of my best memories at university were made through UOI, and a lot of friendships I hope will last for a long time. Anyway, this podcast is dropping on June 23rd, 2020. Remember, the Sports Splits can be found on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Breaker, TuneIn and Google Podcasts. And we have a website with great articles and other audio content that can be found at the sportsplitsblog.wordpress.com. On the blog this week, random fixture review, which we will go into later on. You'll get to read that and hear it at the, t- at the same time, if you want, and see what our pundits thought the scores were going to be, and I go into a bit more detail on the article. My URY leaving letter, obviously, like I said, I finished University Radio York this week, so I decided to write a little goodbye note, almost, and another episode of the Weekly Blitz, including football played at quite the highest of heights, how football once started a war, and the biggest blowout in NHL history as well as the weekly watches as per usual, one of which has already happened when you're listening to this, Villarreal vs Sevilla. Full disclosure, I don't know what the score is yet because it hasn't happened as I'm recording this, but what a win for Villarreal. What a win for Sevilla. That was a well-deserved draw. I can't believe that result. I can totally believe that result. Oh, that controversy. There we go, I've covered all bases now. (laughs) Anyway... A few more things to go into before we start the show. The one thing we want to go into first is that Alex Zanardi, you might know, was involved in an accident over the weekend, um, a handbiking accident, according to Autosport. He remains in a stable but serious condition, and Autosport say doctors are hoping to evaluate the next few stages of his treatment over the next few days. So he was in a handbike race, 53, the former Formula 1 driver. He was in a handbike race in Italy and collided with a vehicle on the road. Obviously, our thoughts go out to him and his family during this incredibly tough time. The other thing I wanted to talk about before we properly got into the podcast was Kyla the Eagle, the Crystal Palace real-life eagle mascot who has died at age 28, which I don't know 
if that's impressive or not for an eagle, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I don't study eagles. But 28 died of a heart attack. And it is fair to say that without Kyler, Salhurst Park won't be the same. And that's what a lot of Crystal Palace fans have been saying. So anyone, of course, who had an emotional attachment to Kyler in particular as well, or has gone and seen her at the stadium all these years, it's obviously going to be quite tough to find that out. It's just, it's going to be different, but not in a good way. Anyway, with nothing more to be said, I hope you enjoy episode 35 of the Sports Blitz. And joining me on the Sports Blitz today, Josh and Matt Ward-Perkins. Hello. Hi there. Hello, it sounds like we're both Ward-Perkins there. Intro, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I realised part way through saying Ward Perkins, why did I need to say Ward Perkins? Josh Westwood and Matt Ward Perkins, there we go. It's okay, I'm having an identity crisis now. <laughs> you two be good oh. brothers and not, don't argue with each other. <laughs> anyway, oh. how, how was everyone's weekend? I don't really feel like me and Matt need to give an answer considering how football happened, but I'm going to ask anyway. I mean, I feel like I should, I should, I should, I should let people know that I'm a West Ham fan. Um, yeah. So it was not a very good weekend watching a two 0 relatively convincing loss to Wolves, uh, taking us closer to the inevitable promotion, particular sorry, not promotion relegation after we lose to Chelsea and Spurs next week. Um, so very excited, but better news. Uh, stayed up Saturday night, watched UFC Vegas three. It's very good to have some. Fight sports back, um, yeah. It's it's been it's been an alright weekend. I mean, Alex, you had your last show on your uh, <laughs> Yeah, that it was really weird. By the way, thank you for for everything you guys said on the last uh, beautiful game of the year because that was very surprising. It took me about a second too long to realise you were talking about me. I was like, well, oh, what yeah. a lovely set. Oh, that's me. I'm Alex Woodward. <laughs> well, also, and of course, you've had a good week as well. Congratulations on your uh, student media award. And congratulations on your seventy-five. Was it? No, no, no nothing like that. Um, <laughs> just the three. You deserve but, um, it. Oh, just for no, three. Just for no, three. No, I, and I will say, I'll say it again because not everyone listens to a beautiful game. The amount that you've contributed to um, sport on YRY over many, many years is incredible. No, it was really nice to um, yeah, no, seconded. hear all that. Uh, it's, I, I, I was very surprised. I, I sort of rushed my acceptance speech because A, I completely forgot that the awards were a thing, and B, I just didn't expect to win it. <laughs> and I, I will sort of kind of reiterate what I shared with Josh in our chat, which is when people say it's great work, I, I put up the image of Kimi Raikkonen from... from what drive to survive going it's more like a hobby for me (laughs) (laughs) i love that scene Um, (laughs) right yeah but no it was was really nice to um to get it in the end because i was i was quite i was pleasantly surprised that somebody had read it and actually enjoyed it like my deep dives into why the three o'clock blackout is an awful thing or why the kickoff in american football just needs to go away or why say probably are awesome um so yeah uh, Josh, how have you found the weekend? Um, I've waited uh, how many days? A hundred and four, five days was it in the end for football to be back after lockdown? And I came away from that uh, United Spurs game saying, 
can we just go back to lockdown <laughs> at that point? It was, I should mention, I'm a United fan, of course. Um, it was, uh, well, I'm sure we'll get into the Premier League, but I, I do actually think um, the restart has left a lot to be desired on all fronts. Um, I'm fortunately we'll an Arsenal fan. Mm. Um, but other than that, it's, yeah, I don't, it's not been quite the way the league has started or the Bundesliga, frankly. It's just been, I'm like I say, we're sure we'll get into it, but it's not been enthralling on all counts, has it? No. I don't know if you remember the first week of the Bundesliga, though. It wasn't as bad as that. It was bad, but it wasn't as bad as that. Yeah, that was absolutely dreadful. <laughs> we were doing Guy Schoen of Orspiel that week, weren't we? <laughs> well, I, I think I think it's been nice to get some of the old arguments back. You know, forget about you know. Oh, when are we getting out of lockdown? It's back to VAR. You know, it's, yeah, it's the one I time I will ever say the sentence. I've really missed talking about VAR. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we talked about this on Saturday, but I, I I was really stunned after the Villa game where it was like VAR took centre stage. No, no, it didn't. no, goal line technology took centre stage. Mm. Lots of people don't know the difference. <laughs> yeah, but don't let, you know, facts get in the way of a good headline, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And if anything sounds like we've all suddenly changed, I don't know. That's because we're now recording this part on Tuesday, which is the day that you might be listening to this too, if anyone listens. Hello out there in the weird world. But... The void. I'd finished the podcast last night. It was all ready to go up. I'd even exported the file, and then a plane took off and flew over the Etihad. Let's talk about the Burnley plane. I didn't, it, actually, no, it's really harsh to call it the Burnley plane, dash misleading, dash completely inaccurate. So let's talk about the plane What's that the guy's flew name? over. So what? Uh, What's the guy's name again? Jack Heffel. Metal? Is it? Yeah, Jake Metal. Jake let's talk about, let's let's talk talk about, about the Jake Heffel plane. Yeah, let's talk about his plane. Because he flew a plane over the Etihad Stadium saying white lives matter. Now, in case you don't know, and I'll be surprised if there's anyone who doesn't know, but in case you don't know, white lives matter is often a sort of response sort of thing to black lives matter. Which is to say, which is to equate the sort of things that white people go through to the things that black people go through. And it's therefore to say that racism towards black people doesn't exist, essentially. Yeah, this seems to be a little bit of a dog whistle. I don't know if you want to correct me on that, but... No, no, it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's what is it? That's dog, not that's dog whistle, just actual whistle. Just a whistle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's the point. Um, it must, I'd like to say as well um, that fan, Jake Keppel, has claimed responsibility, but I don't know whether that's been confirmed. It's not a wise he move. Did it. Yeah. Oh, no, that's true. We also, but we also uh, know the company. Claim it, yeah company okay, that yeah, sure. flew it has spoken out as well they've they have said they're associated with it, which air ads the same company from the Moyes out banner from old trafford um they say as long as banners are legal and don't use offensive language the company does not take sides and they've previously done a black lives matter they claim that the police have been informed in advance lancashire police say they are currently investigating um so right i, I, I don't know so so hang on it, they said that they don't fly offensive banners they just have. So, so that's an immediate the lie. They're talking about the, lang- the like the specific words. I, they're wrong. Yeah. They're, they're they're wrong. But that's their, that's their defense. Basically, it's free speech, freedom to fly all your planes mm. across places. Yeah, but I could put 
black people are and then something horrible but have that word not be offensive and yet the whole sentence is offensive without any individual word being offensive because that's not how we judge sentences and i agree Alex, it comes it comes Alex, back to stop the, using your logic yeah it comes back <laughs> to this weird point i don't know what the correct terminology would be but when we talk about people making decisions i remember studying something in um philosophy of religion where it was about forced and open choices, and a forced choice means you're either doing one thing or the other, and an open choice means you're either doing that or a multitude of other things. And Black Lives Matter is not a forced statement in the sense that it doesn't mean anything else. It doesn't mean other lives don't matter, and this seems to be where the stumbling block is for some people. Uh, it yeah. it but uh, people people choose to stumble on the stumbling... I mean... And, and, and we can do this because it's not URY anymore. But the, mm. you know, this is this is a, it's a backlash. The idea of equality from people like Jake Heppel, and I'm not, I'm not even going. You know, let's I, I can't say too much about him because we don't want to be illegal. But he said his photo taken with um, Tommy Robinson, long-time girlfriend, paid tribute to the Burnley fan, uh, and said, oh, and said that Burnley's pretty grim. The town centre is like a foreign country needs sourcing. I mean, I'm. Mm. I'm the, the, the idea Sorry, that this is some sort of sorting, yes, need sorting. Um, oh my god! Yeah, and so the so the idea that this is some sort of that that, that Mr. Heppel and Flyer are all concerned about making sure that everyone's lives matter, and so they're all oh, going to balance out the Black Lives Matter stuff on the pitch with White Lives Matter is ridiculous. Yeah, again, I always remember my mum years ago ran one of them. What I forgot what they're called now. The the cancer she awareness group well. who run yeah no <laughs> the cancer awareness group that tackles breast cancer I can't remember what they're called but everyone wears pink and they run around the local field for a couple of miles and I I don't remember anyone coming up to that breast cancer awareness rally and going what about colon cancer yeah what about all pancreatic cancers, cancer all, can, all cancers matter hmm. just to clarify all... my previous point if you say for example I am indoors that automatically means I am not outdoors. Saying Black Lives Matter does not automatically imply other lives don't matter because that would be stupid. But but I, I, I will say though, actually, I think that you know we're going to. We, I mean, obviously, the talking point has been on a really you know negative situation, but the, what it's responding to is the entire football community coming together to support the Black Lives Matter movement. It's yeah. Burnley mm-hmm. coming out and saying that with this person isn't welcome at our ground. It's yeah. It's Ben Mee after the game who was incredible talking about how, yeah. you know being ashamed and embarrassed by the banner. Mm, yeah, you know, that's that's what we should be. That's that's the that's the story. Yeah, Ben Mee said in an interview with Sky Sports, "We as a group of players condemn it. We're ashamed. We're embarrassed. It completely misses the point of what we're trying to achieve as a football community. It's a minority of our supporters. I know. I speak for a massive part of our support who distance ourselves from anything like that. It definitely had." a massive impact on us to see that in the sky. We're embarrassed, disappointed, upset. We are embarrassed that our name was in it. And the fact that he wasn't asked about that question. The players who found out about it yeah. in the changing room after the game said, we need to do something. We need to speak out. We need to oppose this. Yeah, absolutely. And that said so much about Ben and that team. Yeah, they, they have absolutely, unlike the fans, which I would argue are not real fans, they're an absolute credit to... Burnley Football Club and the one thing yeah, that got no. to me right the one thing that got to me is that he could have put anything on that plane 
He could have put, come on Burnley, we can win this. He could have put anything, let's let's get over the line. He could have put anything. He could have shown support for the club. But no, he decides to put a racist comment on it instead. That shows to me he is not a proper fan. Quick analogy. Leeds had a problem in the 1980s with the National Front. And a, a, a group of fans who were tackling them said, said to the fans who were sort of being swayed by the National Front, look, at 3 o'clock when the match kicks off, they go home. They're not actually fans of our club. They don't get behind the team. They don't support them. They're just here to try and taint your mind with this awful philosophy. Don't put, use the word philosophy for racism. It's not It's not philosophy. It's, it's the lack of it. It's the absence of thinking. But anyway, that's kind of what this is to me. It's, it's, you're not a proper fan of a football club because instead of wanting to get behind the team, you're just making racist points. You're not even watching the game because you're flying a plane up in the sky. You're, you're just trying to make a racist point instead. You're not a fan of football. Please go away. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they're almost using football as a platform and a front. And this is why it irritates me so much when uh, things like this come out and the headlines are football fans this, football fans that, football fans have done, uh, you know, the other. I, I give a, a great example of the... Um, the shall we call them counter protesters um, for the um, statues movement? Apparently, what, yeah. what was the headline? Headline: um, Football fans protect statues or something along those lines. I don't really remember. But the connotations of football fans now, because football is used as such a platform, are horrendous to me. Because you know, I'm a football fan. You both are. You know, as are yeah. millions upon millions of people, and it's such a tiny minority who you you know, have actions like this. So to taint the entire football community with things like that, when the vast majority are like, you know, uh, Ben Mee, who says we're ashamed and embarrassed, who, I mean, obviously himself and the team don't have anything to be embarrassed about, but given their response, it's just the way that, you know, the media then use the term football fan and the football community yeah. when people like this use that platform. It's just... It's pretty horrendous to be honest with you. Mm. So, yeah. my final question then. What should football do in response? Because obviously, it's been a great week for the Premier League in terms of showing that this is not true and they're trying to tackle racism. What's the next step? It's difficult to see what more the Premier League could do, actually. Okay. Um... Maybe not the Premier League then. What do fans need to do once we get back through the turnstiles? Just awareness. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how uh, your respective clubs work, but there's uh, a big emphasis at Old Trafford, for example, of it's sort of a see it, say it sorted uh, text in with the club with the sort of the seat number and the row and describe the incident. So then the sort of the stewards and the, the police get onto it. Uh, so I think we need more of a, a cooperation awareness among fans within the sort of fan community to yeah. almost call out their own, well, not their own, but. No, they're not their own. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I I think people sometimes underestimate how negative places football stands can be. You know, Mm. I mean, my experience. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think we've all seen, heard things that are completely. I mean, I've you know. I mean, I remember away games when it was Pride Month. The things that I'm really not going to repeat here. You know, and I, I think it's. And it's the same with with racist comments as well. Yeah. You know, I, I I think, you know, we've got to be more willing to not just sort of try and ignore it to actually do something about it. Yeah. 
So, always remember, if you want to join the fight against racism in football, that Kick It Out are still working in this battle, and there are many, uh, many groups fighting against racism in football, and there'll be one at your club as well, and if you have any problems, any concerns, get in touch with them. Final thing I want to mention before we go back to the regular podcast, because we forgot to mention this yesterday, Brighton 2, Arsenal 1. There were two questions I had personally. First of all, did Neil Morpé do anything wrong in the build-up to Burn Leno's injury, and then maybe afterwards? And what sort of punishment, if any, because I think he deserves punishment for it, but what sort of punishment does Matteo Guendouzi deserve for his neck grab? I mean, I think the first one, um, the worst you can say is that it was mistaken or slightly reckless. I mean, that's the worst you could possibly say is that it was... Yeah. I mean, yeah. and 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 on I mean, sadly, he's not going to face a violent content charge because the incident after the first was reviewed by VAR, and that's what the FA have said to us. Oh, um, the thing that, and this is actually neck. I know, this is the person that I mean, this is a man who during the game was going around saying that the Brighton players were shit, that he and his teammates earned so much more than they ever will. He that that's the type of man he is. He's the type of man that was dropped by Mikel Arteta because of his attitude in. Dubai because he wasn't a professional. Yeah, he's um, he's the, this is. The, I mean, you know, fuck him. Yeah, I, mean, I, on, I honestly, you know, um, Neil Mopé saying after the game that the Arsenal players need to learn some humility. I don't know if that's true of all of them, but it definitely seems to be true of him. Yeah, this yeah, is true I of him. He's 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 a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an incredibly average midfielder. Yeah. Mm. If you're going to be a cock, if you're going to be cocky, at least be a decent footballer. You know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, um, absolutely. Um, is it right that Morpé actually called out one player in particular in his post-match statements? I'm guessing that was Guendouzi. I'm guessing it was um, Guendouzi. Yeah. Regarding the incident itself, uh, I agree with Matt. It's most reckless. I don't really see much mm. in it, truth be told. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, it does seem almost bizarre that this is Matteo Guendouzi that's going around, you know, saying this sort of stuff because... Almost like if it was Messi or Ronaldo or whatever. I mean, you've almost okay. I don't like that anyway, but at least you've got a reason for it. <sighs> Being like that and having that attitude without the talent is almost doubly disrespectful, to be honest. Yeah. With the absolute audacity mm. of it. Yeah. So yeah, um, and certainly with with regards to my conduct, I can't understand why VR has reviewed that and gone. Now nah, that's fine. Because, mm. I, think, I think it's because right. it's happened at the end of a game, and I, I, I also say, like, you know, he talks about the money. He only earns forty grand. He only earns around forty grand a week, according to the Daily Mail. That's the, you know, before he goes on about financial differences with Brighton, why can't he think about why he earns less than a seventh of what Mesut Özil does? Mm. Um, the, the only thing I'd say about the incident as well, I can't remember. Somebody said he was deliberately trying to injure him. Just right, pick, put yourself in frame of someone who wants to deliberately injure a keeper. Do, do you do that? Like, would you genuinely no. do that in an attempt to deliberately injure... No, you'd get your studs out. He didn't do that. If, if, it, if it was a very genuine attempt to injure him, it's very stupid. Yeah. So, no, it, it, yeah. Just, it just wasn't. Actually, also, if you don't know how much better than you are than another team, you kind of got a win. Mm. You know, this is, the guy scored, this guy scored a goal, and Gwen did nothing through that match. Yeah. Mm. Just two more things to go into before we start the regular podcast, because I forgot to put these in yesterday as well. First of all, I wanted to talk about the Real Sociedad versus Real Madrid game at the weekend. 
the game on Sunday obviously finishing. Real Sociedad 1, Real Madrid 2. But there were three controversial incidents. First of all, Vinicius went down for a penalty given by VAR. However, many people thought the contact was a bit too light. Then, secondly, a Adnan Yanazai goal was disallowed for offside interference from one of the players on Thibaut Courtois. However, he was nowhere near Thibaut Courtois and therefore many people online said it shouldn't have been given offside. And then Karim Benzema with the second goal of the game. His goal stood despite there being signs of handball. I can't remember which Real Madrid player handballed it off the top of my head. But one of the Real Madrid players seemingly handled it, sort of hit him on his arm. And therefore they said the goal shouldn't have stood as well. And to be honest, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with all three of them. I think the Vinicius contact was light at best to non-existent. I, I'm sympathetic with it. I would have understood it. I do understand it. And I wouldn't have been completely enraged if I had been given against my own club. But I do understand as well the counter-argument. So I, I get I get the people who say it shouldn't have been a penalty. And I, I do appreciate that argument as well. I don't know what I would have given if I had been the VAR operator. I think it would have just been stick with the decision you made. Because I do not have enough evidence to overturn this either way. So I, I get that. I definitely wouldn't have given a penalty if the referee hadn't given a penalty. And I, wouldn't, I would have... I would have just stayed with whatever he did. Second of all, the offside goal, Adnan Yanazai, was absolutely ridiculous. The player who, it's claimed, interfered Thibaut Courtois was absolutely nowhere near Thibaut Courtois. He wasn't in his way. He was in an offside position, but he was nowhere near him. He wasn't in his way whatsoever. So that was completely ridiculous. I really, I couldn't believe that at all. And then the third goal, it was handball. It just was. Based on the modern reading of the handball rule, which is if it hits you anywhere on your arm, it's automatically handball. It definitely hit him on his arm. We can't... Look, in, in, a, in a perfect world, none of them would be given handball because it, it was incidental. It didn't really mean much. And I don't think... Th I think it has to be deliberate to some extent and just striking you on your arm isn't really an offence to me. Um, because... The optimal solution then is to just have no arms, which I don't particularly support players cutting their arms off for the record. So, but that is not the world we're living in. The world says the, the world we're living in at the moment says that if it hits your arm at all, it is handball, and it did. So it was. It was handball. I can't believe it wasn't given handball. Especially looking at it, the VAR images made it more than obvious. That's not the VAR failing. That's the VAR officials failing. Because VAR perfectly showed that it was handball. And the VAR officials chose not to listen. The other thing I want to mention as well is that Jonathan Woodgate has been fired by Middlesbrough. They obviously lost 3-0 at the weekend to Swansea. He has been replaced by Colin! Neil Warnock is the new manager of Middlesbrough. He said his aim is to get up to 1,500 career games. And now he has the chance to do that. With eight games to go, Middlesbrough sit 21st on level points with Hull in 22nd. 41 points. Obviously, superior goal difference. To be honest, I was talking about this with someone who supports Middlesbrough. It's that there are just worse teams around them. There are too many bad teams around them for Middlesbrough to take one of them relegation slots. So Luton and Barnsley are still a way off from being able to crawl out of them relegation places. Hull are probably the worst side in the league at the moment. Charlton are not much better. Huddersfield's performance of the weekend for me was worse 
than Middlesbrough's was. And Stoke aren't the most convincing team in the world. Of, of that cluster between 18th and 24th, maybe including Wigan, but probably not in 17th. But that cluster of teams from 18th to 24th, Middlesbrough have the lowest chance of getting relegated. So there's just too many bad teams around Middlesbrough who will be sort of beating them in that race to the bottom. And of course, you've also got to remember as well that Sheffield Wednesday and Derby County could be both getting points deductions as well. So that's going to help Middlesbrough's cause further if them points deductions actually come through. So I'm not overly worried for Middlesbrough. I think the managerial bounce you get when a new manager comes in will probably help them as well. But for the fans who were glad that Tony Pulis was gone because it meant you know, more attacking football. Neil Warnock is probably not the hiring you want. Short term, this makes sense. Long term, it doesn't. I would have preferred him to stick with Woodgate because I think it would have been interesting to see how he would have developed in the role over the next year. But, obviously, you can't ignore the fact that they are on goal difference with relegation zone. They are flirting with League One. But, like I said, they are just worse teams in the Championship will beat them to it. Anyway, on with the show. Well, okay, we'll go into the football then. I I asked for everyone's games of the week, their favourite games over the last... Um, well, if, if, if you're struggling, I will allow for over the last seven days, but I was hoping for the weekend. Who wants to go first? I, I didn't know we were actually just doing football for games of the week. So, do you mind if I go slightly left field here? Sure. Only so, if you allow me to tell you my fun fact about that. I don't know if it was on this show I did that. I... I don't, I don't know. Well, Where the well, saying out of left field comes from. Is it a baseball thing? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's on <laughs> it... here. No, I just I just assumed from left field and you knowing well, it. Well, it's, it's, it's because before the Cubs moved into Wrigley Field, the Chicago Cubs, they played in a, in a stadium outside of left field, had a mental asylum, and you would sometimes hear screams and shouting coming from the mental asylum. And so the phrase out of left field, which means to be surprised by something, comes from the screamings, the random screams and shouts coming from the <laughs> mental asylum out of left field at the Cubs' old stadium. <laughs> uh, that is an interesting fact. Um, yeah. <laughs> just, I really like um, that. So my, um, my, my game of the week, uh, probably more fight of the week, um, was from that event last well not last night Saturday night um, at UFC Vegas three on ESPN uh, the cool. co-main event Josh Emmett against Shane Burgos, um, so you didn't watch it which I'm assuming most people haven't. Um, Hello. <laughs> so jo- Josh Emmett, um, it, it's a featherweight fight. He got an injury in his left knee in the first minute. Uh, basically, found it difficult to move and attack the way he wanted the whole way through, uh, but just through. Some of the hardest punches I've seen, managing to knock um, those down with two big shots in the third round. Um, just so much power. And Burgos as well. I mean, he's showing that he does belong in that discussion at Featherweight. I, that, it was honestly, it was one of the best fights. It's the best knockdown fight so far. Um, and uh, probably one of the best fights of the year as well. So, yeah, that's my um, sporting game of the week. <laughs> I can't think of a good question to ask in response. <laughs> so, if I was to ask the best question I could ask, what would that question be? Oh, um, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think the interesting thing is always tends to be, well, what what's next, right? Yeah. Um, 
So, I don't Matt, know. what's next? Well, I, I, I don't know. I think it's... Firstly, he's going to recover from his tour on ACL, um, which, will be, which will be a long six months. Which you don't normally get after a win. They could be going for a featherweight title bout. I mean, possibly you could see um, Aljamain Sterling was reacting to it in the featherweight division. That could be a really fun fight, the ex-champion. I mean, there's a lot of options. Quite deep um, division. But, I mean, it was just such a great fight compared to the relatively mismatched main event um, in the heavyweight division. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Brilliant. And Josh, what's your, what was your game of the week? Or I fight, or match, or <laughs> just need to make sure. I'm really disappointed to not be coming from the mentalist lineup now. Mine's quite standard in comparison. Um, and Matt won't thank <laughs> me for it either, I'm afraid, because it oh. does have to be Wolves-West Ham. Wolves-West um, Ham? Yeah, and I, I say that almost surprising myself because it has just been a pretty awful weekend overall in yeah. terms of games of the week. Are you sure Are you sure you don't want to go for West Brom nil, Birmingham nil? Guess when the first ball. shot on target was in the entire <laughs> exactly game. <laughs> Take a wild guess. 72nd minute. There was not a single shot on target until the 72nd minute. I mean, I'd sort of take try to take pride in the fact I don't leave games early, but I would have left that one at half time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. Uh, less said about that, the better. Sure. Maybe. Um, we've seen we've seen games get interesting late on. Though. I think I remember we were doing um a beautiful game. And I was watching whatever game it was. What, what game was it, Alex? Uh, what the and... Yeah. Um. Leicester. Watford Leicester, and it was an awful game. But then there was quite a fun final 10 minutes <laughs> with sort of, you know, Spots. ridiculous yeah. goals. And, yeah. Same, obviously, has to be said as well for Fulham versus Brentford in the Championship in which both goals came in past the 80th minute, if I remember correctly. But anyway, Josh, you wanted to remind me of the painful experience that was watching <laughs> West Ham yeah. it, it, this, The game was, uh, like you say, it wasn't free-flowing and it was. I'm picking it at the best of the bad bunch um, only because of the quality of the two goals scored. Um, I, uh, you know, as yourself as a West Ham fan, I don't think there's there's any sort of shame in losing two finishes of those quality of that quality. You know, it's um, Traore no, across. Yeah, no, go. There's just plenty of other moments of shame in that game. The... <laughs> <laughs> I I couldn't possibly comment. Um, it's the cross from Traore was, especially coming back after that sort of length of time, was absolute pinpoint perfect. Uh, right on a plate for Jimenez, um, mm. who was continuing his good run of form uh, from before lockdown. And uh, Pedro uh, Neto's finish, again, for the second goal from a good cross from Doherty, was, again, absolutely sublime to one fantastic assist and one fantastic finish. You know, yeah. two moments of real, real quality. So really just for those. Um, I, 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 I will say, though, goal quality. I am going to go back to that game of Le Leicester... Leicester Watford, Ben sure. Chilwell's goal from the edge of the box, and then Craig Dawson scoring an overhead kick, which is the the weirdest yeah. sentence I've ever said. The weirdest say. thing in the world, yeah. Yeah, it's his first ever Watford goal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I I I respect that Wolves are a better team than West Ham, um, and they scored two good goals and got the win. And now we get to watch other teams score good goals. Just apologies for traumatizing you like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. It's just, it's just PTSD now. Um, <laughs> Alex, Alex Woodward, what, what was your? I don't have to say Woodward. Sorry, you're the only Alex on this show. Just, yeah. I'm so used to having like three of you. Well, thank God um, you're not saying Alex Westwood. 
Nice, right, so there's other people, yeah. I'm, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm not a different. I'm not a different, Alex. Um, what did you? What, what is your game of the week? By the way, I am petitioning for me, Alex Towles, and Alex West to go to do, host a show called Alex Cubed. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um. This will perfectly lead us into our next segment. By the way, no, it's not the game between Leeds and Cardiff, in which you you might you <laughs> might attack. That, I should have picked that as my game. Yeah, week. you might it... attack Leeds's performance, but in all fairness, we did have a two-man disadvantage considering Patrick Bamford was clearly playing for Cardiff at the weekend. <laughs> it, it's harsh to single him out, but no, it's also fair. Every player, every player was bad, um, but. We'll go into this in our next segment because I want to mention three games in my game of the week, which I know is cheating, but it's all from the Zwei Bundesliga, Germany's second tier. So, three games to talk about then in the Zwei Bundesliga from the weekend, all taking place on Sunday because, kind of like how we have all our final games at the same time in the league, the Zwei Bundesliga do it for the, both the penultimate and final games. So first I want to mention Nuremberg nil, Stuttgart 6. Both teams came into this game with something to fight for, Nuremberg, hoping that they could stop the rot. They are on the verge of back-to-back relegations. Meanwhile, Stuttgart knew that a win, win would keep them in the second automatic promotion spot in the league. And Stuttgart absolutely demolished them. There was about zero seconds in which you could have reasonably thought that Nuremberg were going to win the game because it was just complete domination from beginning to end. And so that sort of set up the ch- the chance for Stuttgart to be all but promoted on the penultimate day, which they ended up doing because Heidenheim versus Hamburg, which was fourth versus third going into today's games ended Heidenheim 2 Hamburg 1. Hamburg it was, it was it was a dodgy first half but Hamburg scored 35 seconds into the second half. It looked like and they needed a, a win to keep themselves within a reasonable chance of catching Stuttgart in that final automatic promotion spot. But then Heidenheim scored in the 80th minute through dodgy defending it was an own goal it was absolutely dreadful from Hamburg and then scored again in the 95th minute which was the penultimate kick of the game minus the kickoff to win it for Heidenheim again really dodgy defending it was counter attack absolutely awful from Hamburg and they just completely collapsed they folded completely in the closing minutes of the game and Heidenheim now jump into third, which of course is a promotion playoff spot in the Spy Bundesliga, so they'll be taking on at the moment Fortuna Dusseldorf, depending on how next week's games go. Well, yeah, Heidenheim have got a tough game next week, haven't they? Yeah, they do. We'll be talking about it more on Friday. Friday, I remember now. <laughs> we'll be talking about the games more on Friday, but it means that Heidenheim are now in the in the front seat for that very in pole position. Hamburg now need to get something on the last day and hope Heidenheim don't. You might be wondering if it's possible for Heidenheim to get that second automatic promotion spot. They are three points behind Stuttgart. It would require a swing of 12 goals. So, no. That'd be fun. That would... I tell you what, you think this week was good. Just wait until next week. <laughs> um, the final game I want to mention, Karlsruhe versus Arminia Bielefeld. Arminia Bielefeld, obviously the champions, we can now say that. Congratulations to Arminia Bielefeld on an incredibly successful campaign yet again. So they didn't really care about this game, but Karlsruhe, on the other hand, really do. They're in the relegation places. They needed something to help them 
with their chance of surviving on the last day. They are currently in the relegation playoff place in this Bundesliga and were three points behind Nuremberg entering the game. So, at 3-0 down after 20 minutes, it looked impossible for Karlsruhe to beat the champions of the second tier. However, they scored in the 25th, 70th and 88th minutes, two of them coming from penalties to get a point for Karlsruhe. They came from 3-0 down against the champions to draw 3-all. And it means they're now two points behind Nuremberg entering the final day, which means they can still ensure their safety on the last day of the season so absolutely if you can watch them games on youtube i really recommend them i would not as much recommend st Pauli one jan regensburg one which was just a bit boring <laughs> we did see dimitris diamantikos destroyer of worlds and defenses score so that was nice anyway we're going to move on now to the ncaa you might remember on saturday's show we talked about how the sec were going were threatening to remove business from the state of Mississippi, if they do not change the flag. The response from Mississippi has been emphatically no for the time being. That could change, though, because the NCAA, which is, of course, another big sporting league, um, college sporting league in America, have also announced that the NCAA championship events will not be held in states where the Confederate flag has a, quote, prominent presence, end quote, which obviously means Mississippi, which... In writing, it said, um, the NCAA said, was the only state currently affected by the association's policy. So obviously, you'll know if you've seen the Mississippi State flag, it, there's a large part of it dedicated to the Confederate battle flag. What do we make of this? Well, I, th- I think um, I think the important thing is that it's this is a bit of a, a move forward on the NCAA's policy of previously... They weren't awarding events where they had a sort of predetermined location to to Mississippi, um, yeah. because of this reason. And now it's sort of even at the places where the championship host is decided on on merit almost um, it's been taken out. I think it's part of this big trend, isn't it? We've seen NASCAR banning the Confederate flag, which I think surprised some people. And we've seen uh, NFL taking a much more uh, Taking a much more combative approach to um, to race to win the league, I think you know it's we've I think we've got to the stage where leagues saying and organisations saying we need to separate out the sport from the politics that's become yeah. a political statement almost now. Yeah, absolutely. if that makes sense, it, I don't think it's possible for them to sort of stay out of these big debates, especially and you know the NCAA is college sport. It's you know and and a big responsibility, especially when we're talking with this in particular about maybe some of the smaller, less high-profile leagues because football, basketball all have predetermined locations. We're talking about softball, women's women's basketball, I think, women's football, um, sorry, women's soccer. Um, so, you know, it's about creating an environment where people feel comfortable and safe. If they're not paying them, they might as well make them feel slightly less threatened. No, sure, I'd, uh, I'd agree with that. Um... I think uh, coming off the back of NASCAR as well, because that was a pretty uh, bold move from them, considering yeah. their fan base, uh, you know, consumer base as well. Um, it's it, it's a bold move because you could stand to lose a lot there. And correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you know, with regards to Mississippi and the uh, CAA, that's that's quite bold as well. Um, yeah, you know, Quite a prominent uh, state Apologies. in terms of college sports. So yeah it's it, okay yeah it is bold and uh, i'm glad to see that the move go forward i do think it's 
almost the current political climate has helped with that. Um, certainly, you know, the NCAA aren't going against the grain, almost. They've got mm. the impetus of, you know, current social movements to be able to make these changes. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, like Matt was saying, I'm not sure... Uh, you know how a lot of people say this is sports can you know try and keep politics out of it i don't i don't think it's possible anymore i, th- I don't think society works works like that anymore and this is the these are the sort of responses you, you are going to see in the coming weeks and months because yeah. uh, you are no longer separating sporting world from the political one i i think the, the and i i think well coming back to nascar i just a story i saw this morning um from the afp on yahoo sports um that Sunday, last night, a noose was found in the garage stall of, of Black Bubba yeah. Wallace, um, who is the only um, black driver that races full time in NASCAR's Top Cup mm-hmm. series. Um, I mean, and, and he's obviously been uh, an outspoken supporter of NASCAR in banning the um, the Confederate flag. You know, we've seen yesterday in NASCAR as well. We saw a plane flying over the track with a with a Confederate flag. I mean, you know, so I think. You know, it's great that sports taking a stand, but I think that some of the reaction to it shows, obviously, you know, how how far we have to, still to go. Yeah, but do we think this is actually going to change anything in Mississippi? I th- oh god, the problems are so much more deep rooted than that. Um, yeah. I think, uh, as Matt rightly said, the reaction to what in you know the grand scheme of things is a relatively small change and addition has been has been from some corners quite uh, quite reactive so uh, I, I think this is probably an indicative of the, of the larger south uh, and in in america that there's a lot a lot of work to be done because these sort of cultural tendencies are so deep-rooted i'm sure you know will if he were here would be able to provide a lot more an accurate description but <laughs> I don't think this is something that's going to be solved in a few months. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the, the interesting thing will be, you know, if we get to the stage where... I don't don't, don't know, and I think we've seen it make a difference on the campuses of Mississippi Mississippi State. Um, They've taken down the state's flag um, in, in all their sort of areas. I, I can't see it making a difference in the wider sense, and it's the, it's that difficult question of you can't sort of it, it's you know do, what's the next step? Do you do you ban schools from participating in SEC competitions that you know uni- colleges that have been outspoken against their own state's flag? You know, I, I, I don't know what the answer to that is because those that's probably the, the only th- place you can go from here. And and, I, and and that has a massive damaging impact on those schools and the students that work incredibly hard to succeed there. So I don't know. Yeah. Okay, and now it's time to move on to random fixture review. So obviously Matt hasn't done this yet on the Sports Split or Beautiful pre-game. But what we do is we take a random set of fixtures from a random year in the Premier League and we have a look through them and we see if our... Two presenters here can guess what the scores were based on the information they have from that season. So what I did this time, I spanned the wheel that came up with the 2011-12 season, a season that, whilst not in the oh. Premier League, I guess you have fond memories of. To be fair, I, I, I said this, I said this earlier on, you know, we were talking about 
West Ham's inevitable relegation this year is that the championship's quite fun if yeah. you're used to being a mid-table to lower mid-table Premier League side because you're talking about, oh, will we win the league? Will mm. we come in the top places? Will we have a yeah. fun playoff run? I mean, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I wouldn't want to stay there for that long, but it's, it's a lot of fun if it's one or two years. To be honest, I, I really like watching the championship. It's less fun when it's will they bottle it, yeah, which the answer I, seems to be yes at the moment. So... That's yeah. great. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so 2011-12 Premier League season, I, I I, was tempted to spin it again just so we'd have a West Ham fixture, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> and then I spun it again, it came up with January, and then it came up with the first fixture in January, which means we're technically going to go back into December as well. But we're going to do the fixtures that were played in the Premier League between December 30th, 2011, and January 1st, no, January 2nd, sorry, 2012. I Ooh. How many? Ooh. No, January 1st, because the day after was the start of a new set of fixtures, because otherwise we'll be here all week going through 20 games or something. So, if you get the correct result, it is one point. If you correctly guess a team wins or there's a draw, then it's one point. If you get the score spot on, it's three points. And it's you two against each other as per usual. So, we're going to start with the first game of that week. On Friday, the 30th of December, 2011, Liverpool took on Newcastle at Anfield. Okay. Um... By the way, I will tell you, because I have the table up here, Liverpool entered the game 7th on 35 points. Newcastle United entered 6th on... No, yeah, 6th on 36 points. So Newcastle, one point and one place above Liverpool going into the games. Okay, do you want to just, do you want to just say? Yep. So We'll alternate think... who goes first as well. So whoever okay. goes first here will go last. I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll go first in this one. Then um, I'm going to go for a Liverpool win. Liverpool win. 2-1. 2-1 to Liverpool. Josh? Yeah. I'm trying to think of how poor or how good Liverpool were at this point. Um... <sighs> And Newcastle weren't half bad either. I'm going to say 3-1 Liverpool. 3-1 Liverpool. Final yeah. score was indeed 3-1 to Liverpool. Oh, so yeah. Josh gets okay. off the mark with a correct score immediately. Daniel Lager scored an own goal in the 25th minute um, to give Newcastle uh, the lead. Yeah. Two goals Sorry. from Craig Bellamy. We might have played football. And Steven Gerrard got the win for Kenny Dalglish's side. I think it was Kenny Dalglish at this point. Yeah. Yeah, Roy Hodgson was the year before, wasn't it? So, yeah, three points for Kenny Dalglish's side in a win against his former club, Newcastle. The next game, then, was Swansea versus Tottenham Hotspur at the Liberty Stadium on Saturday the 31st. What were the uh, the league positions at this point? So, if I remember correctly, Swansea weren't... Swansea entered the game 13th on 26 points. Tottenham were third on 46 Remember this year as well, they were very much considered to be in the title race, which I found nonsense, but everyone else didn't. Bale. So th- th- this was the... Um, Gareth Bale. Well, he, was still pretty, he, was, he was still pretty good, but it wasn't... I mean, this was the year of um, Harry Redknapp when they, they ended up in fourth, didn't they? And then just didn't get the Champions League because of Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Um... That's a good Spurs side. I'm going to say 2-0 uh, Spurs. 2-0 Spurs. Okay, I, I was going to go 1-0 Spurs. 1-0 Spurs. Neither of you get the point. Swansea got a surprise draw 
at Bullerby Stadium, one all. Raphael van der Vaart scored for Tottenham in 44th minute. Scott Sinclair equalising in the 84th minute for Swansea. Sorry, I was just trying to look for someone in the lineup and couldn't <laughs> find him. These are giving me some absolutely mad throwbacks from yeah. just coming from the uh, the age where I sort of really started paying attention to football. And yeah. It's almost like it was, if someone told me like these fixtures, it was what, 2011. For me, that's still like two years ago. Out of interest, there are two championship managers in the starting lineups. Can you guess who they are? One for Swansea, Ooh. one for Tottenham. Um, does Gary Monk still manage in the championship? Yep, Gary Monk was a centre back for Swansea that day. The other one was um, a midfielder for Tottenham. Um, no idea. There's nothing riding on this, by the way. I don't get a bonus. You, you should know who it is, Matt. What, Scott Parker? Scott Parker, who of <laughs> course is now the manager of Fulham. Oh, yeah, of course. Was playing in centre midfield for Tottenham that day. Right, so it's still 3 1 going to our next game. Which was why have all the fixtures decided to move? Which was Stoke versus Wigan at the Britannia Stadium. I think it would have been back then. Well, that, that would have been would have been buzzing for that game. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that just screams excitement. Stoke entered the game eighth on thirty points. Wigan entered last on fifteen. Ooh. Which was this a Stoke home or away? Sorry. Stoke at home. Okay. So it was a cold Saturday afternoon in Stoke. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go for the uh, classic Stoke result that is nil nil, nil nil. I'm gonna join you on that one. Yeah, that that Wigan Stoke has a feel all over it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So nil nil for both of you. Well, actually there were four goals. It did finish two all, which means you both get a point. Oof. Victor Moses gave Wigan the lead just before half time. Um, Jonathan Walters scored from the penalty spot in the seventy seventh minute. Cameron Jerome gave. Stoke for lead after 84 minutes, but Ben Watson scoring from the penalty spot in the 87th minute rescued a point for Wigan Athletic, a much needed point considering how their league campaign was going that year. And of course, a point in the end that helped Wigan miraculously survive in the Premier League for exactly one year. So good for them. Next game, then Norwich versus Fulham at Carrow Road. It's 4 2 Ooh. to Josh at the moment. Ooh, I don't know. So, where were, where were the teams going into this one? Okay, so Norwich entered the game, wow, higher than I expected, ninth on 29 points. Immediately looked at the bottom of the table. They were ninth <laughs> on 29 points. Meanwhile, Fulham entered the game 12th on 26 points. Oh, nice mid-table clash. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Josh, you go first. The dynamics of uh, this game. Um, Fulham, from what I remember, were... They were just coming out of that period where they were really half-decent, weren't they? And they had that Europa League run. Yeah, they've kind of finished being half-decent by this year, haven't they? (laughs) Um, And Norwich, if I remember correctly, they beat United on a few occasions, so... And we were half-decent by that point as well, so... That's that's difficult. Um, 2-1 Fulham. 2-1 Fulham? I was going to go 1-0. And you were going to go 1-0. Sorry, I'm trying to pull up someone's Wikipedia page here. So, one all, says Matt, which is exactly spot oh, on. Norwich City won, <laughs> Fulham won. 
Orlando Sarr scored in the seventh minute. To be honest, you could have just skipped most of this game. Orlando Sarr scored in the seventh minute. Simeon Jackson scoring in the 94th. I did think Orlando Sarr for a bit was the guy who played for Leeds in the championship quite abysmally. But it turns out that was Armando Sarr. Armando Sarr, sorry. Which, so if you ever want to know that, now you do. He played 11 times for Leeds. He was dreadful. Moving on. That's <laughs> 5-4 <laughs> Yes, Matt 5, Josh 4. So it's all heating up now. Chelsea versus Aston Villa at Stamford Bridge. Okay. Um, Chelsea entered the game 4th, 41 points. Aston Villa were in 11th on 27. Was this one of those good Chelsea seasons? Well, <laughs> considering they famously won the Champions League at the end of it, yeah, that's the one. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember cheering on Bayern in that game. Um, oh, I've got to go first in this one, haven't I? Um, I mean, where, where are Villa, did you say? Um, Villa were 11th. So this, this this is the game that going in, Chelsea would have been thinking they'd win, right? But, hmm, I'm just trying to think if Villa could have nicked a point or something. No, okay, I'm going to go for the, the, the maybe too obvious one, which is... Uh, 2-0 Chelsea. 2-0 Chelsea. I think I'm getting the um the year wrong with this. Um and I probably am. But I'm going to go 8-0 Chelsea. 8-0 I, Chelsea. I, yeah, I I've probably got the year wrong, but I think this is the one where they absolutely batter them. That would be I a shocking Chelsea... score, would you agree? Yes. It was a shocking score. Aston Villa won. At Chelsea, three oh, wow. goals to one. And to be honest, what? in my mind, because I remember watching this game, it was not a contest, really. Um, despite the fact that Chelsea really dominated, they looked like doing absolutely nothing with that domination. And Aston Villa actually looked quite dangerous whenever they, they went up the field. Uh, Drogba did put Chelsea in the lead through the penalty spot, but then Steven Ireland, Cillian Petrov and Damon Bent, two goals oh, for me in Damon the last ben. seven minutes of the game, <laughs> got the win for Aston Villa. And to be honest, they absolutely deserved it. They really did. And it was sort of a game that sort of really put question marks, not only on Andreas Villas-Boas' leadership of Chelsea, but also on the idea that they could win the Premier League. Okay, the next game, Bolton versus Wolves at the Reebok. Oh. Just screams Premier League, <laughs> that doesn't it? <laughs> Bolton, yeah. Bolton entered the game 17th on 19 points. Wolves entered the game 19th on 18 points. So, you know, great. Exciting stuff. Real relegation battle, though. It's one of them that I would have probably ended up putting in my weekly wa- weekly watches or weekend watches, and that's why I'm stupid. And no <laughs> one should ever listen to me. I put Liverpool versus Everton in this week. That was great. <laughs> Oh god. Okay, I'm I'm uh, first on this one, aren't I? Yeah. Um I think this is the year Wolves go down. Oh. Um but Bolton also go down. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they did. Well, okay. <sighs> I am happy to tell you that Bolton went down on the last day, Wolves went down about five years before. Before that. <laughs> yeah. Was it it was it, they lost Newcastle to get relegated, was it? Early April, late March ish. Couldn't have been March. I know. They they got they only finished with like twenty seven points because Wolves started um, getting results after they got relegated, and everyone was fuming about it. Hey, Um, at least at least it's a good way to start the championship year after. They must have done well in the championship year after. (laughs) 
they got relegated again. For anyone who doesn't know. I'm going to go... Who's at home again? Bolton's at home. It's a very Good for me for being able. Actually, yeah. No, no. Can I change it? I want to change it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, a draw. Draw? Um, 2-2. 2 all. Bit of Desmond. Um... I kind of, I kind of want to go for a two-one two win just in case it's right and can and so Josh kick himself. But um, <laughs> I'll stick with what I was originally going to say, which is this feels like a nil-nil. Nil-nil. You both fight with a draw, but it was Bolton one, Wolves one. Sam Ricketts oh. going over twenty-second minute. Stephen Fletcher going over forty-nine. I did just notice. Does anyone know who the assist came from for Bolton? If you heard me go, ah. Oh, then that's Fabrice, a clue. Fabrice Mwamba with the assist. Because this it, it was this season, wasn't it? It was, yeah, you're right. Against yeah. Tottenham only a couple of days after this, it would have been. One in oh, the God. FA Cup in January. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously he, miraculously, I think the doctors used, um, used the word that miraculously yeah. I mean, to that. I mean, he, he, he was, you know, he was, he was, he was dead for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and actually, you know, you, you got to think that, you know, if all the right people hadn't been there. Yeah. And you know? weirdly enough, if he had not been playing football at the time. Yeah. you know, because Thousands of people saw it. There yeah. was an ambulance on standby anyway. Defibrillators. There was, I mean, the the, the doctor in, in the crowd who worked yeah. for the specialist heart hospital. I mean, yeah. no, you couldn't make it up. Yeah. Absolutely. I was going to watch that game as well and I decided against it the last minute. Yeah. That would have been traumatising. Well, it was an amazing moment. In, in like I think the next season's Europa League. Yeah, when he when he went back. Yeah, yeah. I just remember him walking onto the pitch for the first time. Since he, I, he I was went, nearly he went in to tears. that spot. He went to that. Yeah, yeah. He went to, anyway. Right, next game then. So what's Four, it now? Six, six five is it? It is six five to Matt. Coming up next is I don't know why I said coming up next. Like we're previewing after the break. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can we get Alex Towles' Rain advert? That was really good. Um, but <laughs> a break next... from our local sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we right. can do that now. It's not on UI. We can, we can get some money for We it. can do sponsorship. <laughs> Squarespace, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> they sponsor every podcast, don't they? Um, anyway, the Emirates Stadium for Arsenal versus QPR. Ooh. Arsenal entered the game in fifth on 36 points. Meanwhile, QPR were 16th on 20. I'm trying to work out what this Arsenal season was like. They finished third, didn't they? Because they were in the Champions League the year after, surely. Can't remember. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because this is part of their run where they just always managed to just get in the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, who was playing for QPR? This has been Joey Barton for QPR, wasn't it? <laughs> Let's see. Oh. Yeah, he did start. Beautiful. Other great um, players include Alejandro Fowlin, who I desperately wanted to sign for Leeds and never did. Um, Jay Bot. Jay Boffroyd, who was always good against Leeds and bad against everyone else. Sean Wright Phillips, <laughs> Jamie Mackey, who scored against Manchester City on the last day of the season. Oh, good to have Sean Wright Phillips. Anyway, um, it's me going first. Um, I think there's nothing we can say apart from an Arsenal win. Um, I'm going to go with 2-0. 2-0? Yeah. I'm trying to think of this QPR side, who seem to have a knack of doing things... Um, and came so close to making uh, 2011-12 decent and not tear-inducing. <laughs> I think that is the last time I've cried at football. 
I genuinely. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Um, two one Arsenal. Two one Arsenal. Well, it was the famous chant one nil to the Arsenal. Oh. Does anyone want to guess who scored? Because it was twenty eleven twelve. RVP. Yeah. Correct answer. I guess it was playing <laughs> in centre midfield. Oh. Um. He's still at the club. Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta was playing in centre midfield oh, that day. Of course. Yeah. yeah uh, Arsenal win one 0 thanks to a Robin van Persie goal in the 60th minute. Final game of the day: Manchester United versus Blackburn at Old Trafford. Oh. <laughs> I should know this, and I don't. You. You. Yeah. Uh, Man United enter the game. Second on 51 points. Blackburn were 18th on 18 points. Managed by <laughs> Steve Keane. By the way, I should have mentioned, when you were talking about QPR in the last part, they were managed by Neil Warnock at this point still. So, no. Just no. <laughs> no, okay. Um... It's me, isn't it? Yeah. Um... One should be getting right. <laughs> of yeah, all no, of them. I, I, f- I feel like... Um... I know this, but I don't, and I'm going to kick myself. Uh, United were coming into this since at this point in the season, I think, going on to that point where they were, like, what, eight points clear yeah. five games ago. Um, yeah. Like, United tend to do well in, under Alex anyway, tend to do well in the second half of seasons and really sort of uh, move through the gears. I want to say 4-0 United. 4-0 United. Oh, that's optimistic. Um, well... I was going to go for United win because that seems like it makes sense. Yeah. But I'm not going to be quite as optimistic. I'm going to go 3 1. 3 1. If this has been on match of the day, if we were doing match of the day, this would have been top of the building. And there might be a reason this would have stuck in your mind. For all the wrong reasons Manchester United 2, <laughs> Blackburn Rovers 3. What? <laughs> Dimitar Bertov scored twice for Man United but ruled out by two Yakubu goals. Two <laughs> Yakubu. <laughs> Two and a Grant Hanley goal. This is why we lost the league. Yes, <laughs> Man United, of course, lost the league by one point that year. Yeah, so if, you, if you got a point against, if you got a point against Blackburn, yeah, it'd have been absolutely fine. No, no, they wouldn't have because I believe Man City had superior goal difference. Oh, oh no! Yeah. Did you finish on equal no, points? Yeah, equal yeah, points. Sorry, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Man United would have won the league if they just got an extra goal against Blackburn. <laughs> that season was I mean I imagine for neutral it was one of the the greatest to watch but yeah yeah I agree with that that was such a dodgy season for us I mean that 4-4 against Everton typifies it I think just we're, like, fluid in attack and just brilliant at times but no defence <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, is, that is very accurate yeah. anyway so that meant that Manchester City who were three points clear at the top could extend their lead at the top of the Premier League to six points. They travelled to Sunderland at the Stadium of Light or the day after, January 1st. Oh. oh I've got to go first on this, haven't I? Yep. By the way, um, going into the final three fixtures, but we might extend it. Matt, seven, Josh, six. It's close. Um, so where, where, where was Sunderland at this point? So Could... Sunderland in the table, obviously Man City top, three points clear, 54 points. Sunderland were tenth on twenty-seven points. Okay, so not that bad. Mm. I feel like I'd remember it if this was like a Sunderland win. Right. You know, I feel like I'd, I feel like I'd remember watching it. So I'm gonna, but 
don't know. I've gone for the one that makes sense most of the way through, and it's kind of gone all right. But mm-hmm. at the Stadium of Light, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for one nil Man City. One nil Man City. This is so tough. Um, Sunderland, if I remember, at this point were a really dodgy team, as in people liable to lose points against them. Um, still, aren't, I'm gonna <laughs> rancidly put my faith in City here. Uh, Two nil City. <laughs> Matt, you said this game would have been memorable if Sunderland had won it, right? Oh, no. I remember it. I remember it incredibly well. Sunderland won, Manchester City nil. Do you remember who scored? No, I, I do. No. Well, no, I don't. It have, so I've got the name right in front of me, but I remembered it anyway. It's uh, it was G in the ninety-third minute to steal all three points for Sunderland. But it would constantly comment was going, can Man City get the win? Can Man City... Oh, but Tunnel might get the win. It's G! And, yeah. So I remember it very well. Sunderland won Manchester <laughs> City nil. One of the shocks of the season. Wow. Right, final game from Sunday. Then the final game of this round of fixtures. From the Hawthorns, West Brom versus Everton. West Brom 15th, 25 points. Everton 14th, 26 points. Oh, wow. What's Josh first? Okay, um... Actually, before we go into the scores, there are two more games I was going going to bring up afterwards anyway. Do you want them to count for points? Well, depends how this one goes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm asking now. (laughs) Let's not avoid the season. Yeah, I'm going to say yes for my own selfish interest. Why why not? We'll have some bonus games. Okay. Um, Might win on this one now. No, Um, no. Did they have Lukaku at this point? I can't remember. Ooh. Um, I will tell you. This is a season too early for that, isn't it? Yeah. Lukaku did not start, no. He wasn't on the bench. I'm assuming he wasn't there. Is it the the Odd and Wingy season? It is, Peter Odd and Wingy. Yes, Yes, he's up front. (laughs) Alongside um, Shane Long. God, they really did upgrade the next year, didn't they? Yeah, they did. (laughs) (laughs) Nicky Shorey at the back. Uh, to be honest, actually though, they could get goals still, West Brom, because they had Craig Dawson at centre back in this game. <laughs> so you know he was there doing his bicycle kick. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, I just remember you like very much questioning that when I said it when I when I said it on the yeah. show in the, the beautiful game. Like, he's got really? it. He's got to go, have got that wrong. That's <laughs> why so I checked the number like three or four times. Oh, anyway. This is the side of Jelovic and Fellaini, isn't it? No, nope, neither of um... them played. Oh, neither of them played. No, is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? So it's, this is the season before Phil Neville retired, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, Phil Neville also didn't Howard's... play. Oh, uh, so that's not useful in the slightest. Tony Hibbert was at right back, so you know. Oh my god, that's great. Louis Saha up front. There we are. I actually can't call this one. <gasps> Jerome <gasps> Thomas is playing for West Brom. Hmm. I'm going to go 2-1 West Brom. 2-1 West Brom? Okay. I was going to go for an Everton win. Um, well, you know. Oh, this, could be, this could be the big thing that decides that, 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 that <laughs> it. Um, I think, yeah, I think a pre-Lukaku West Brom. I'm going to go 2-1 as well, but to Everton. 2-1 as well, but to Everton. Oh. Well, Matt has extended his lead at the top, but it was West oh. Brom nil, Everton 1. Oh, <sighs> Victor and Nietzsche began a goal in the 87th minute. So, Matt, you did ask 
um, for the last two games to be included. I'm guessing you've well, changed your I, I, I agreed for the last two. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, it's okay. It's okay. The go reason go, why go, 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 go. is because, of course, our teams win the championship that season. <laughs> so, from Pride Park on the 31st of December, Derby County versus West Ham. Oof. 31st of December? I think well, I should know that. So, where were Derby in the league at this point? Oh, I, I can't get up championship tables at, the, at that oh. time. Um... Let's think. So, Derby did, the game, what was Derby's season? So, Derby, well, like, they were sort of mid-table that year, weren't they? Yeah. But, it's Christmas, so we probably didn't do great. I can't imagine we got a decent win. Um, this was, I think this is when we started to have our struggles going from automatic to playoff. Mm. So, I'm going to say, I don't think we lost. I think it's, I'm going to say one all draw. One all draw. Josh? If you, if you, by the way... Without giving anything away, if you win on the grounds of a championship, considering you're the only person here who doesn't support a championship team this season, a bad way I'd say 2011-12, then that'll be spectacularly funny. <laughs> I, said, I, said, I, I don't know an awful lot. Um, although, West Ham did go up this year, didn't they? Yeah, so yep. we, fin- we, 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 fin- we finished third in the league. Uh, I think one or two points off second. Derby finished mid-table. Okay, so I'm going to... 1-0 West Ham. 1-0 West Ham. Both are wrong. Derby won. <laughs> Teenage striker for Derby. Callum, ba- Callum Ball, sorry. Don't know who he is. Callum who Ball. Does he play for currently? Stratford oh, Town. Callum Ball <laughs> plays for Stratford Town. And Paul Green, who I know a bit too well, unfortunately. Um... <laughs> With the goals um, for Derby County. I never know how to say his name. I think it's Frank Newblay scored for West Ham. Is it Newblay? I'm sure they said uh, that on the Colchester I said, game. I, I don't know. I, feel like, I, don't, I don't actually know. But he, he's called, he plays for Colchester now because I saw yeah. him last week. Yeah, Final yeah. game then. So going into it, Josh needs a win to have uh, need to get the correct score, the correct score. for any chance Ooh. of winning Matt just needs to do as well or better than Josh so long as he doesn't win anyway get the exact correct score so on the 31st of December as well from Oakwell Barnsley versus Leeds so what, what was this Leeds season like Alex so to give you some context we started off the season relatively well I believe we were in a playoff place for much of like the November, December time, and then completely fell off a cliff afterwards. Grayson was fired in early February, and then it continued to all go to pot, and we finished mid-table. And then Barnsley were in a relegation fight this season, weren't they? Yes. I can't oh, remember no. how it finished. They were definitely well, in the championship the year after. Table. Such at the table. <laughs> This, this an end of I will try and retroactively tell you where they were based on the report. <laughs> okay, so Leeds were... I'm going to say 10th. Okay. Barnsley were 13th. Okay. I think both teams went down after this. Like, lower in the table. Yeah, I will, I will say Leeds finished below mid-table. Yeah. Oh, it's Josh first in this, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, you need to get the score spot on, remember. Leeds 3-2. Leeds 3-2. Okay, so purely because Simon Grayson gets sacked about a month later, um, and this isn't the type of game this is the type of game that can help someone get sacked. 
Um, I'm going to say 2-1 Barnsley. Now, you remember when Leeds won 5-0 against Derby? Yes. I, I was a bit worried for if I only if the wheel kept coming up with games where Leeds won, I would look biased. And so I, I felt like I had to include this game, despite the fact it finished Barnsley 4, Leeds 1. Oh. Matt, can you guess who scored a hat-trick for Barnsley that day? And there's a reason I... I'm asking you. Oh, who did, we, who did we sign someone? You did sign someone. In fact, I would Is say... Ricardo Vazte. Ricardo Vazte got a hat-trick for Barnsley that day. Uh, the other goal coming... in January. Yeah. yeah, the other goal coming from Craig Davis, who now plays for Mansfield, so payback. Luciano Becchio scoring the only goal for Leeds in the 91st minute. What's Ricardo Vazte up to these uh, days? Let's see. He plays for Premier League club Portimonense. Portimonense, which I believe is Portuguese, right? I'm surprised he hasn't gone to China. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyway, the scores on the final doors are Matt 9, Josh 6. Congratulations, Matt, for winning your first random fixture review. Thank thank you, thank you. And if you want to read more about these games, go to the sportsblitzblog.wordpress.com where there will be a random fixture review article up later today. Okay, and let's go on to news in brief, and Matt starts. Well, monuments of the former owners of the Washington NFL team and the Minnesota Twins have been removed due to the racist pass of the two men. The twin statue of Calvin Griffin and Washington statue of George Preston Marshall were removed by the Twins organization and Events DC, and that's an organization that overlooks sports in the US capital. The Washington NFL team are set to retire the number of their first ever black player, Bobby Mitchell, played for Washington between 1962 and 1968 and was a four-time pro bowler. He served as an executive for the team between 1969 and 2002. The Japanese baseball season is now underway. We are three games into the season and the Yomuri Giants are the only team with a perfect record thus far. Meanwhile, the Hanshin Tigers are the only team who have lost all of their games. And Jan Vertonghen has signed a contract extension t- until the end of the delayed season. Vertonghen joined Spurs back in 2012 and has made 228 appearances for the side. According to the BBC, Danny Bullman, the oldest player in the Football League, has been offered a new contract by Crawley Town at the age of 41. The midfielder played 34 games for the League 2 side this season before the campaign was curtailed by the coronavirus pandemic in March. And in some other contract news of a slightly different kind, Barcelona have started negotiations on a new two-year deal for Lionel Messi. Messi turns 33 on Wednesday. Exactly the same. I don't think there's any difference between Danny Bullman and Lionel Messi. (laughs) According to Tuto Sports, Juventus are willing to offer two Italian internationals, defender Daniel Vigani, who's 25, and winger Federico Bernadeschi, who's 26, to Wolves in an attempt to lower the cost of a deal for Mexico striker Val Jimenez, who's 29. I kept the ages in because that makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, it doesn't. Um, Roma, in weird transfer news, actually not quite as weird, but still. Uh, Roma are looking to extend their loan for Mike Smalling (laughs) next season with an option to buy at the end of it. Smalling has been in great form since joining Roma from Man United last summer. Everton midfielder Morgan Schneidlin is set to leave Goodison Park after passing a medical at French Ligue 1 side Nice. Schaden has been with the Toffees since 2017 after he left Manchester United. NASCAR says it is investigating after a noose was found in the garage of African-American driver Bubba Wallace. 
Wallace has been a strong supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement. Dylan Van Barla has claimed Chris Froome will compete with Team Ineos at the Tour de France despite not agreeing to a contract extension. Froome has won the Tour four times. Aaron Lennon has rejected a contract extension at Burnley and will leave the club at the end of the month. Lennon had been at Burnley since 2018 and was their most subbed on player this season. <laughs> Back to Leeds. Back to Leeds. Dan has got a sucker punched at dinner on Friday whilst eating dinner with his family. Gerda says has said since that he's okay and he was able to return home uninjured. Who does that? Who does that? Val Betis have fired manager Ruby three games into resumption of the La Liga season. Saturday's 1-0 defeat at Athletic Bilbao ended his reign at the club with the side 14th in the table, eight points clear of relegation. Sports director Alexis Trujillo, who played more than 220 times for Betis, will take over until the end of the season. And now it's time to move on to On This Day and Josh starts. Sure, so on this day in 1932, Lou Gehrig plays his 1,103rd successive game in a New York Yankees uniform, equaling Joe Sewell's record with one team. And in 1961, also in baseball, the Philadelphia Phillies, who were trailing the Pittsburgh Pirates 11-2, scored four runs in the eighth and sixth in the ninth innings to win at 12-11. Choke. In 1962, Clyde Drexler is born. Drexler played for the Portland Trailblazers and Houston Rockets, winning the championship in 1995 and being a 10-time All-Star. In 1971, Kurt Warner is born. Warner was the star quarterback of the 1999 St. Louis Rams and the greatest show on turf as they made it to the Super Bowl, where he won Super Bowl MVP in a win against the Titans. Warner was also most valuable player in the NFL in 1999 and 2001, and was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2017. In 1972, President Richard Nixon signs an act barring sex discrimination in college sports. And on the same day in 1972, Benice Guerra became the first female umpire in US Pro Baseball when she umpired a game between the Geneva Senators and Auburn Twins in Geneva, New York. In 1979, the West Indies beat England by 92 runs to win the Cricket World Cup. In 1981, you might remember this, we mentioned this on episode 18, but the longest game in professional baseball concludes with the Portucket Red Sox beating the Rochester Red Wings 3-2 after 33 innings. 33. (laughs) How? The game had begun on April 18th and was postponed so they could finish the game at another time. Wow. Um, in 1988, the Charlotte Hornets and Miami Heat held their expansion draft in the NBA. Miami picked Arvid Kramer first, but he never played for the Heat. In all fairness, just to give out some extra context, there were three players for the Mavericks didn't want picking, despite the fact they had to leave them unprotected. Uh, one of them was Bill Winnington, who, of course, went on to be part of the Bulls dynasty in the 90s. So they said, if you take Arvid Kramer, we'll give you, your f- we'll give you our first round pick as well next year. So that's why they picked a guy who they never played. Okay. Weirdly enough, oh. he was also picked by the Mavericks in their expansion draft in the nineteen eighty season. Sure. In nineteen ninety one, Mazda became the first Japanese manufacturer to win the twenty four Le Mans. And in two thousand three, Barry Bonds becomes the first player to steal five hundred career bases and hit five hundred homers as the Giants beat the Los Angeles Dodgers three two. 
In 2005, in the 59th NBA Finals, the San Antonio Spurs beat the defending champions Detroit Pistons four games to three for their third championship. In 2008, King Felix Hernandez of the Seattle Mariners hits a Grand Slam home run against the New York Mets, becoming the first pitcher to hit a Grand Slam since Steve Dunning in 1971. If you haven't yet, watch the Dorktown series on the Seattle Mariners. It's one of the best things you'll ever see on YouTube. Yes, it's like three hours or whatever, but watch it i don't care well some into nba news in 2011 a big pick in the draft for the cleveland cavaliers as they select kyrie irving yeah of course uh, it, first of all he was very instrumental in their win against the Golden state warriors in 2016 and in 2016 in the nba draft ben simmons is selected first of all by the philadelphia 76 as he goes on to like never hit a three okay finally it's the return of the two minute drill what game are you most looking forward to in midweek oh that's a, that's a tough one i mean i i i think man united sheffield united will be quite a good game i'd be honest like compared to some of the others i think that'll be a fun that'll be a fun game to see what man united's position is going forward as well you know, I think it will tell us a lot about them. And my game is Atalanta versus Lazio. Atalanta fourth in Serie A, Lazio second. Should VAR be able to overrule goal line technology? Uh, yes, oh, although I think there's very few times it's going to be needed to. Yeah, so that's yeah, the exact no, same answer with me. Agreed with that, yeah. Favourite pub in York for Hop? House Jeremy Madness. I'll, I'll agree with uh, Matt there. That is an absolute banger. Have a Absolutely pizza, the hop, and your mind will be transformed and changed forever. <laughs> <laughs> and the beers are nice. Anyway, the York Community Stadium or the Brentford Community Stadium? York. 100%. Every day of the week. York, because it's in York. <laughs> and hopefully in the National League next year. Yes. Come on, yes. York City. And scores of the Tottenham versus West Ham game and Man United versus Sheffield United game. I'm going to go Tottenham 3, West Ham 1, Man United 1, Sheffield United 1. 2-0 uh, Tottenham, 2-1 Man United. 3-1 Tottenham and 1-1 uh, United Sheffield. And anyway, that is all the time we have on the Sports Blitz today. Thank you for listening. My thanks go to Josh and Matt. The intro and end music for Sports Blitz was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. We're back on Friday with another podcast at 5am. I hope to see you then. But until then, I've been Alex Woodward and don't just have a good week. Like the best play in NFL history, have an immaculate one. Goodbye. <laughs>